Hey there, and welcome to Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and I am delighted to introduce you to my guests today. So this is Mariah and Julian Humphreys. Mariah and Julian live in Waco, and Mariah is married to her husband, who's a senior pastor, and Julian is one of their three kids. They have an adult son, a college freshman, and a senior in high school. Her vocational job focuses on communications for Baylor University, but she is active in the work of racial literacy and reconciliation, both personally and for the organization Be The Bridge, which I am a big fan of. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. So if you want to know more about them, go there. She has a master's in theology and is the Be The Bridge ministry educator, which provides the opportunity to work with racial reconciliation within the American church. Julianne is 18 and she's attending Baylor to study psychology and criminal justice. Sick them, right? (laughs) (laughs) She wants to go into psychology and um, to study how racial trauma affects the psyche of young adults and teenagers. And she loves to write and very frequently listens to Harry Styles on full blast, as you should. So (laughs) uh, let's jump into my lively conversation with the Humphreys. Welcome to the show, Mariah and Julian. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So today um, we are going to start with an irrelevant icebreaker. It's so absurd that I thought it was funny. What kind of animal could you knock out in one punch? <laughs> Your faces. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Nothing. A squirrel. A squirrel. Okay. A squirrel. Probably, probably the only animal I could take on. Yeah, uh, I would say. Yeah, I would say probably. I was actually going to say a squirrel. Great mind. That is so cute. That's so cute. I love that you had the same answer, but also that was a very violent question. Maybe I should have rethought that one. Anyways, <laughs> well, if you have birds in your backyard, then you know how um, violent you want to be towards squirrels at times. So it's perfect. Oh, I have squirrels. Uh, so where I sit at my desk, I'm looking straight out the window and there are squirrels out here all the time. And it's so funny to watch them. They're crazy. They're absolutely yeah. crazy sometimes. And um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so let's jump in and you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your work or studies. Uh, well, <laughs> hi, I'm Julian. Um, I'm 18. Uh, like she said, I'm going to be studying psychology and criminal justice at Baylor University. Sikkim, best school. Um, I uh, listen to Harry Styles very frequently. I really enjoy hanging out with my friends and going and getting like a nice cup of coffee and just like hanging out and chilling. Um, I do have a job. It's not like a full-time job, but I work at the Findery in Waco, Texas. Um, It's a great store. I love it. Um, And yeah, I just get exposed to a lot of different people there and I really enjoy working. What kind of things do they sell there? Furniture and home decor. And then we have like a boutique with a lot of cute clothes. So if you guys want to check it out. (laughs) That's fun. I'm going to have to check that out next time I'm in town. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mariah and... I don't get to have as much free time as Julian has, but um, outside of working full-time for Baylor, which I do love um, working with Baylor, I do a lot of reading, a lot of research, and I'm probably a little bit more on the serious side, I guess. But I also have to listen to Harry Styles mainly because um, of the daughter. Because so, it's so loud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we take a lot of drives in the Jeep, and Harry Styles seems to be on there quite a bit. So oh. I'm also um, a fan. Just out of need to be able to survive. Uh, but yeah, I, 
I, I just enjoyed reading and sitting down. I'm kind of more of the homebody and just okay. kind of enjoy just working around my house and breathing in the air in my own space. So. Oh, love that. Sounds good. It actually makes me kind of exhale just to have you say it that way. <laughs> I want to tell our listeners how we met, which was at If Gathering back before the world shut down. Uh, so that was back in February, I think. And the two of you were on stage talking with Latasha Morrison, who I'm a big fan of her too. When I listened to what you were sharing, uh, Julian, like my jaw hit the floor. And I've got to say that I'm very often inspired by Gen Z. Um, your generation is often up to something good. And I was really just blown away by the work that you've already done and that you continue to do. So can you walk us through how you became aware of racial injustice? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you guys don't know, I'm biracial. And so my mom is Native American, and my dad is white. So growing up, I feel like I kind of already had like an eye for a lot of like racial things and stuff. And so my school was not very diverse. It was a lot of like white people. And so with that came a lot of like I don't want to say ignorance, but like they didn't really know. And so there was a video that went around of a popular kid saying the N-word, which mm. made my jaw hit the floor for the fact that one, people thought it was normal for him to say it. And then two, for them to be spreading it around on social media like it was okay. I saw it on multiple people's Snapchat stories, um, which made me feel very uncomfortable. And so at school the next day, um, I was at lunch and I was talking with some, um, use the word friends loosely, was talking to some people at lunch about it. And I was like, it's not okay for people to say it if you're not African-American, like if you don't know the like meaning behind it. And even if you do, like it's not okay. And really just being vocal about it, which I normally am. And, okay. <laughs> and um what really made me like go to one of my teachers and just cry was they said, well, if they get to say, it, why can't we like, if they get to do it, why can't we, what's the big deal about it? Like, it's not that big of a deal. And they're like, yeah, they said it in the past, but it's not like that now. And just seeing like the ignorance in that statement and really made me want to like, just go and like fight everybody. I was so angry and I texted my mom about it. I told one of my pals teachers about it. And what really made me like stop and be like, this is what I want to do was my pals teacher said, okay, you're angry. So what are you going to do about it? And I was like, that's a great question. Yeah. And it made me want to, I like went home and I was like, I don't know what I want to do about it. Like I can't, I'm 17 years old. I was 17 at the time. I was like, I'm 17. I think I was actually made 16, 16, 17, something <laughs> just started driving. I was like, I can't, like, I'm not going to be some big influence. I'm not going to go to the Capitol and be like, demand change. Like, let's do this. And so um, my mom got me in contact with Be The Bridge. And then I started the whole thing at my school and just, like, really opened up a conversation about it. And ever since then, I've just been, like, full force on talking to people about it, just really demanding change and everything. Okay. So you recognized that there was a need because there was an injustice going on. There was words being used that should not have been wor uh, used. So then what happened next? What did you actually go and do? Um, so I started a group at my school. It started off, so I was a junior and the class I was in was only junior seniors. So I started a group with all seniors and I was the only junior. 
and it was a very diverse group. We had LGBTQ, we had um, POCs, we had just a whole wide, like female, male, like a whole group of people. And I like had them educate me on what they were going through at my school. So they were telling me all the experience they had in athletics, in regular classes, in history classes, in science classes, in band, in choir, just all these injustices that they were facing. And that made me really like sit back and be like, wow, like this is in my school. Like I didn't even know that this was going on. So then my next year, my senior year, I got in contact with my counselors in the school district and told them, um, like, this is what's going on. These are real stories of what real students are going through. They graduated. They gave me permission to tell the story. So I went ahead and told the stories. Um, and then they had to go through some deeper uh, racial training. Uh, all the teachers did. And then all the, like, staff and faculty did. Um, and I received a lot of backlash for that. <laughs> oh, no. Received a lot of backlash from students uh, just over the fact that they were getting called out in a lot of things that they were doing. Um, and then I started another group similar to what I did my junior year, where I had seniors in my class, my pals class, and then juniors in my pals class. And um, we just went through, we talked, I did a um, eight week training session, kind of similar to be the bridge, uh, where we went through learning about each other's cultures, each other's heritage, um, the ethnicity of everybody, um, like if you're white, you came from somewhere. So even with them, like we involved them in the conversation um, and really just gave everybody a safe place to go ahead and talk about everything. Had them ask questions, like no question is a dumb question type thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then COVID hit. So <laughs> I kind of, uh, got like a couple months taken off that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what I did while I was in, still in high school. Wow. I mean, just all of those steps and to even see training for the school administration and things like that, that's, that blows me away because I'm contrasting it with some, you know, Instagram accounts and things like that uh, I'm aware of where kids see an injustice and they try to call it out. And I'm just loving how you like went up all, all the right channels. You, you pulled in adults that you trusted to help you get done what you felt like you needed to do. And I just think that that is so fantastic. So Mariah, on your end, what did that look like for you as a parent to support her in all that she was wanting to do? Well, she's our, she's our 100% <laughs> or nothing girl. And so she doesn't do anything halfway. And yeah. so it wasn't surprising. She's always had a very um, big heart for anybody who's marginalized or oppressed, um, picked on. And so that didn't surprise us at all that she came home and she's like, this is really concerning to me and it really bothers me. And I'm, um, you know, this person's a friend of mine and they're going through this and this person's a friend of mine and, and, and they're saying these things. Um, so she was, there's a lot of, uh, torn. She was really torn. Um, yeah. and so it was, it was exciting to see her be able to use her voice in that way because a lot of high school students wouldn't especially yeah. as soon as you start having backlash um, socially or having backlash from um, faculty or um, staff and administration, whatever it may be that you come in contact with. As soon as that kind of um, defense starts kicking in, a lot of people would back down. And so yeah. for me, it was just really, um, it was exciting. Not, 
it wasn't like, yeah, you go do your thing. It was like, I'm excited that she is comfortable enough and confident enough um, because, you know, high schoolers and teenagers, especially 16, 17, there's so much insecurity that's there. And so for this area, for her to be able to um, weigh out those options of back off and just let things happen and just let another generation go through or be able to kind of stand, step up and use your voice. And she decided to do that. And that was really exciting. At the same time, we were concerned because, you know, our kids are so active in their school district and socially and everything else. And so there's consequences that come with that. And, you know, you're, we're in a smaller community. Um, and so, you know, the parents and it, it's a, it's a smaller community. So it's, you know, how those things go. Everyone talks, everyone knows each other, not like talks about things, but everybody knows each other. Um, and so there was a concern there, but there's also excitement that she was actually using her voice for something. And that was, we were thrilled about that instead of coming back later and hearing, Oh yeah, I just kind of let that happen. And, you know, good luck to these people, you know, surviving through school. So there was, there was excitement that way. And then there was the, um, the reality of like, okay, well, there's other things that are going to happen as well. So um, yeah. we were we were so excited at, at first that she was actually seeing that and recognized it because to us, that was the biggest thing. And then be able to um, take those steps towards having some sort of unifying factor, um, mm -hmm. utilizing the leadership that she had um, that sat down and listened to her. And we're very grateful for that teacher who stepped in and really um, listened to her. And so that was, that was great. And so, you know, overall, I think it was a, it was a positive um, thing for both the school, for Julian, for friends um, and for the ISD, I think in general, you know, whether you see it at the time, no, but you know, down the road, I think actually long-term it'll be a really good thing. Yeah. It sounds to me like if I were to summarize, you cheered her voice on, mm -hmm. you gave her a safe place to land when people fired back. Right. And then, um, I guess just being like behind her, knowing that she had that she had you in her corner mm -hmm. sounds like the things that you were doing to just kind of cheer her along. And it, but mostly it wasn't like you were going, go do. You were just kind of going, okay, like I'm here for you. Yeah. Uh, so I, think I, I love that. And something like this, I can't step into, you know, my husband and I can't step into a classroom and talk about things. They can't step into her friend group and talk about things. They can't step into, um, you know, the hallways and talk about things. That all has to come from her. So it was, you know, how far does she want to take this? How far does she want to be involved? and yeah. will support her in that. Um, I think there's times as a parent that you are holding your child's hand and guiding them. And then there are other times that you're holding their hand as, you know, kind of a stability, like, okay, we're here, you know, you take yeah. steps forward and we're going to, we're going to be here every, every yeah. second. So it was more, more of that. It was less parenting and more, um, I guess, ally at that point, you know, mm. that they, it's a great word. she would find someone that she could come and talk to with uh, me and her dad to be able to just be able to bounce things off, off of or cry or frustrated or excited. You know, there was a lot of that too. So definitely. Julianne, what kept you going when you faced backlash? Like what was the thought in your head that made you go, this is worth it? So with me, like growing up, I had an older brother and then a younger sister. So I was the middle child. Um, yeah, she still is. She she, still I still that. am the middle child. I don't know why I said it was. I still very much am the middle child. Um, so like growing up when like my brother would pick on me or my sister would pick on me and they made me so angry. I was like, no, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like if we're on a road trip and I'm being annoying and my brother's like, stop it. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. So these teachers like making comments in classes about doing like 
deeper racial training or students being like, I'm going to unfollow you if you keep talking about this. I'm like, okay, like I'm going to keep doing it. That's just like who I am. <laughs> yeah. You tell me, if you tell me not to stick my finger in a flame, I'm going to stick my finger in a flame just because you told me not to, you know? So yeah. very much a uh, complete opposite of what you tell me to do. So they were okay. comments trying to make me like suddenly stop. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. So it's kind of that internal, um, like keep going. Like, yeah, people are going to hate what you're doing, but like you're doing the right thing. So just keep doing it. So you're a bit of a challenger and all of that challenge just put some gas on the fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Um, so Mariah, if parents and kids, teenagers who are listening may find that whatever their student's passion may be the same, it may be something different. Like what piece of advice would you give for them when they find out what their son or their daughter is passionate about? I would say give them the space and if you can, the tools to complete that out, no matter Mm -hmm. if if it's a six month passion, it's a, you know, a one month passion, if it's for the day. Um, or if it's years and, you know, if, if they love writing, go let them choose, you know, the good pens and pencils and the paper, you know, whatever it is that would get them excited about that, give them a space, mm-hmm. like an actual location, a space where they can have that time. And that's kind of their spot. Yeah. I would just, I would say to just, just provide the tools if you, if you can, Yeah, whether it's materials or, you know, it, it could be sports. Your kid's super passionate about sports. You know, go get them the good bat. Go get them the good glove. You know, whatever it is that that uh, will keep them excited. I would mm-hmm. say whether it's small or, or big, it doesn't have to be huge. But I think that whenever you do those things for your kids, it shows that you care and that you're excited for them, whether you know anything about what they're doing or not. Right. Um, it shows that you're excited for them. And, you know, obviously you encourage them, but that's a way of encouragement is just to provide some sort of um, tool for them to to be able to use, whether um, you know virtual, what what have you, whatever it is that they're passionate about. Provide yeah YouTube page, help them set up a YouTube YouTube page, and you know get them a selfie light. I mean, I, whatever it is, you know, it's um, just try to find some sort of way, and that shows that you you're connected with them and that you care, and um, and yeah. you put a little bit of investment in it too. So right, yeah, I love that, and. I love that you mentioned that it could last a day, it could last a week, yeah. it could last years because, you know, as teenagers are discovering who they are, some of those passions are going to be long-term and some of them are going to be really short-lived. And as a parent, it can be like, what are we doing this now? Um, but yeah. it's so important for us to realize that it's a journey and they're, and they're in the process of figuring out who they are. So I'm glad that you mentioned that part. After the nation watched the video of George Floyd killed, there were a lot of conversations that hit like a crescendo in our country. And one of the most common questions that I heard from parents across the board of all ages was, how do I talk to my kids about race? And so I'm curious about your family. You're you're a biracial family. How do you guys talk about race in your home? So I'm biracial Native American, and race is always a topic in our home. But I should also clarify that just because you are have some sort of um, ethnicity, uh, if you're considered like a person of color, that you're not grandfathered into these conversations. You have experience in these conversations and you've got that perspective. 
but those, those conversations aren't necessarily happening all the time in your home. So it is still purposeful. I get that question too. And it's like, okay, as a, as a completely white family, how do we start having these? I'm like the same way that we do. You just start having the conversations. Um, yeah. We talk about things that I'm not completely knowledgeable about. You know, we don't always just talk about native American things. Um, I'm not Asian. I'm not black. I'm not Hispanic. And, but we do have those conversations with those cultures and we just fumble our way through those. And they started at a young age. We didn't start last year, you know, or two years ago. It's right. been around a while. Our conversations have been, and they've changed in nature as our kids have grown and things like that. But, you know, it was um, something as simple as putting diversity in our life. Mm. A simple example, when Dora the Explorer came around, I was so excited because my son, who's 22, uh, he was little and there was finally, even though it was a little girl, it was finally a little person that looked like him on TV. And yeah. then she got this cousin Diego that came around. <laughs> yeah. He was super excited because like he looked like Diego. And so it was it was doing those sorts of things. It was, hey, let's let's bring in all of these shows or books that show diversity, you know, Barbies that aren't just blonde and, and white, you know, just whatever it was, we started bringing visual diversity into our home. Friends naturally kind of happen that way. We tend to have more interracial friends just because of the nature of our, of our family and the makeup. Um, but I think you just start having the conversations. And I think one of the struggles that we have with as parents is we want to have all the answers and we're expected to have the answers. At least we think we are. Um, yeah. The kids, I think they see right through it. Um, <laughs> but younger, yes. you know, you're expected to know. And we don't know, especially if you're just now in your 30s and 40s and 50s, just now coming into these conversations, you just don't know. Yeah. And it's okay. As long as you're coming into the conversations and whatever is age appropriate for your family, then that's what you bring into your to your house. Whether it's starting to read a book um, of all different diversities, you know, little Christian books, you know, whatever it is, um, whatever it is that shows other people and other cultures. I think those are really smart things to do um, to just start having those conversations, conversations, and trying to, if you can, diversify your friendships so it's not mm -hmm. just a virtual or on paper that they see diversity or in materials like a Barbie or a doll or something, right. but also um, trying to um, diversify your life as well. And I think that's really important, um, but not to feel the stress of having the answers, I think is what's really, really big. I will share things that I'm learning about. Um, you know, you spoke about Tasha. I'm constantly learning from Tasha and mm -hmm. Faith and all of these leaders at Be The Bridge. They are a constant flow of information for me. And so I bring that and then I talk about it with my husband and our kids. And it's just natural. I guarantee you we're all having a family dinner later this evening. We will be talking about race at some point. And it's not like, okay, here's our 15 minutes of race time. Yeah. Let's go and have the conversations. We just start talking about things. Sadly, our current climate um, gives us a lot of material to discuss. Um, yeah, it does. And you know, I guess it, it might be a good thing um, for people who are entering. It's like, hey, you know, we talked about, we've heard about this, or like, I guarantee if your kids are on any sort of social media, they're hearing it. They've seen it. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're probably a little bit more informed than what you think they are. Yeah. Um, and so, but I just, I just encourage people to just start where you are because it's the conversations that need to begin and not stop and make it seasonal. 
when, when things seem to be going well on the surface, we're still having those conversations. And it's not because I'm part Native American. It's, it's just the part of the fabric of our home now. Um, and I think that's what's important. And then that she talks about it with her friends and, you know, our son's talking about it with his friends. And, you know, if we have it going through the bloodstream of our home, then they're having it go through the bloodstream of their life as well. And that's how those conversations kind of um, kick in. So just dive in and it is okay if you don't have the answers. It is more than okay. There is so much material out there to help you with this. It is okay. Just start asking questions about where your kids are and what they're thinking and how they feel about this. And I would also encourage parents to, you know, we, we don't agree on everything. Um, we, <laughs> that's so shocking. <laughs> um, we don't agree on everything. And, and even in this work, we won't agree on everything. Um, there yeah. are things that we talk about that we will, um, okay. Yeah. I, I see where you're coming from with that. I'm just going to pray to the Lord about that one. Um, but, or, you know, with me and my husband or, um, you know, between siblings, whatever it is, um, you don't always have to agree as well. So therefore just let the dialogue begin because everyone's going to have a different take and they have to be able to make that part of who they are for this to stick. And so allow the conversations and the awkward, um, I think be the bridge uses a great term where like sit in the uncomfortable for a little bit, just sit in that awkward and you want to rush away from it just embrace it for a little bit. And I have to do that. And I don't like sitting in awkward and, but I will do that. I'll say something that's off or I'll learn something where I'm like, mm, that's pushing me a little bit. Let me just sit back in that. And let me just think about it and see if um, I can come to a conclusion or realize that I'm wrong or stay in my stance and say, no, I really do think that this might be too far or that, you know, whatever it might be. So um, just start where you are. And you don't have to have the answers. And I think that's the most important thing. That's really good. Julianne, from your perspective, is there anything you'd want to add about what you saw in those conversations in your home? She kind of hit all the bases. It's true. Like we really do, we'll just be sitting at dinner and then randomly just like start talking about something. Like I'll be like, oh my gosh, did y'all see the video on Twitter? And they'll be like, what video? I'll be like, look at this. Like just randomly like showing all these things that happened. I'll talk about it with my friends. One piece of advice I would mention to kids my age and kids younger who are seeing all these things. um, It's actually advice my mom gave me. So it's actually her advice, but I'm giving it to y'all. So with all the protests that were going on, I wanted like how I am. I wanted to just jump right in. Um, I wanted to drive to Dallas, drive to Houston, join all the protests, but like, that's not me, you know? And I really struggled with it for a long time being like, well, I want to help. I want to, I want to help the cause, but I can't, I don't think protests are for me. I don't think that's going to help me. Um, but one thing that did help me was talk to people, like open up those, have hard conversations with your friends. Like, Gen Z, I really, really, truly believe, this is why I love our generation, truly believe that we are breaking a whole lot of social, like, norms. So, like, not talking about racial injustice, not talking about mental health, not talking about all those things have just been naturally ingrained in us for so long. And, like, with my friend group, it's just been, like, a simple, hey, like, 
I don't know if you've seen this article today, but you should read it. And it was like an article on social injustice in like Asian Americans or like, Hey, like, are you doing okay today? I noticed that you haven't seemed yourself lately, checking in on their mental health. Like just little things. Don't be afraid to have those hard conversations with your friends um, because it really does deepen your friendship with people like I've had hard conversations with my friends I've had hard conversations with my parents with my little sister with my older brother and I feel like really connected to them now and I feel like because of that I have I'm building up a solid foundation and I feel like with I'm helping them build a solid foundation in what they're doing and what they're being involved in and just educating everybody having them educate me being open to other point of views on certain situations like how my mom said like me and her buttheads, we don't have the same point of view on everything. But when a topic comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, my mom, my mom has that like point of view, like, oh, I, I'll talk to you how I talk to my mom, like, you know, so really um, getting people's point of views on things and really just having those hard conversations. It's gonna be awkward in the moment, for sure, you're just gonna want to run and leave. But if you just stick in it and talk and stick it through, it's gonna be totally worth it in the end. Mm. Such great advice. And I'm seeing it. You're not saying this, but I'm seeing under all of this, there's a there's a foundation of respect and trust that you have between each other that even if you don't agree on everything, like at the end of the conversation, you know that you love each other and that you belong and that yeah. none of that is going away because you're having the hard conversations. All right, ladies, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Anything else you want to talk about? I think she made a good point. <laughs> and that's now on video. Uh, I think she made a good point about the stigmas of her generation, um, or the stigmas, I would say the stigmas of our generation. Our generation, um, yeah. And yes, and how they are more willing to talk about those things. And so I think that has um, been very beneficial. Um, one of the things that I do as a parent is I jump on every app that they're on. So I'm more than aware of so many of the things that are out there, but I yeah. see that I'm visually seeing that on a regular basis that some of the things that we don't talk about, they're discussing. And so when she does talk about, yeah, a friend of mine's really struggling with this because, you know, he's black. And so he shared that this really, you know, this happened, this, this bothered him. Like I am seeing that I'm seeing this willingness for this younger generation to speak up um, on things that they're struggling with and how current climate and current situations are really affecting them. Um, and I think that's so, I think that's, um, it's sad that that is to that point, but I think it's great that they are, this generation seems to be more willing to talk about those things. And I think mm -hmm. when you're willing to talk about those things, your experiences are vocalized more often. And I think so often people of color, I think especially in my generation, did not share a lot of those experiences as we were going mm -hmm. along. And so I think now that they're doing it, you know, in teen years and in twenties, I think the age group is really doing a great job of not just vocalizing um, concern in general and being good citizens. I think they're vocalizing how they're being affected by things. And I think that's whenever your neighbor is going to change. That's when the person sitting next to you is actually going to have a different viewpoint is when they see someone that they love and that they care about are being negatively affected by, um, you know, race, racism in America or racial tension 
or anything like that. I think that's probably one of the most encouraging and impressive things that I've seen from this generation is yeah. that it is not so taboo anymore. And I think that's going to really be a benefit as this, um, as they journey forward in this. Such a great encouragement to parents because as a parent, I've encountered those kind of conversations that my kids are having. And part of me wants to go, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I just want to run from that. But I think that what you're saying about just kind of like, okay, like snuggle up to it, embrace it, because this is a good thing. Um, you're so right that the that the change and the transformation happens when we listen to each other's stories and we look into each other's eyes and we find out what the other person has experienced. So, all right. Well, I want to make sure that people can connect with you after the show. So how can our listeners connect with you online? I'm on every single social media. I'm probably the most on Instagram. Um, okay. My DMs are open. Uh, so it's Julian Sinclair. And then uh, I guess you can also email me. Yes. I don't know if that's like a thing. I don't do know if people email. Do you check your email? <laughs> I, do. I check my email every day when I wake up, which is kind of embarrassing. But I do check my email quite, quite a bit. My kids never check their email. So. <laughs> yeah, I always, it's like the first, I get so excited when I see like, like I have 16 new emails and I'm like, ooh, from who? You know, it's like, I don't even get emails from anybody. It's just websites. But um, if you want to email me, uh, if you DM me on Instagram, I'll gladly give you my email or um, my other social medias, but probably best to get in contact with me through my Instagram, which is Julian Sinclair. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> and I'm on everything as well you will probably see more education stuff come from me on Facebook, which is uh, Mariah Humphreys. You can look me up there. You will probably see just more family safe space images on Instagram. Um, okay. Mariah Humphreys there. And then on Twitter is where I will probably share a little bit more about other stuff, just general generalized uh, platform there for me. But yeah, I'm on, you can find me on those three for sure. And I'm okay. regularly on there. Okay, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is a thing, man. Um, I love Twitter. I, I've yeah. done it since the very beginning, and I just, I'm a fan. And I phased off for there about a year, and I was like, what am I doing? Twitter just always knows. It just knows <laughs> everything. If something goes down, go to Twitter and you find out what they do know. They're the first to know. <laughs> um, but it also is sometimes like very angry, an angry vibe. Maybe I just need to yeah. follow the right people. You need to follow the right people and um, it's easy to step away, you know? Yeah. So true. you give it 30 seconds and it flies right by. <laughs> All right. So because the show is Lively Conversations, you get three blanks for me today. Blank is life, blank is life, and blank is life. What's life for you? Start. Oh, I'm going to start this time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think for me, reading is life. I know it's not for a lot of people, but for me, reading is life daily Jeep drives with the top off and wind and Harry Styles um, <laughs> life. And then those lime Tostita chips. I, mm. I love them right now. I love them with a lot of water um, because that's the age that I am. I need to balance it out. But yeah, that's, that's giving me life right now. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. Well, good answers. You guessed it. Um, Harry Styles is life. I didn't realize how much I mentioned him until this podcast. Um, <laughs> my friends and my family are my life right now. Yeah. And then Avatar, The Last Airbender. 
totally judge me all you want, but that is my life right now as well, as well as criminal life. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. I like those answers. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I was smiling from ear to ear the whole time. I found myself so inspired by both of these women and the incredible work that they do and the candor with which they're willing to jump in and bring up uncomfortable things with love and trust and respect for one another and the friends that they're talking to. Now, I hope that you hung with us this whole time because another thing that I loved about this conversation was the kudos that went out to Gen Z at the end. I hope that you feel cheered on because you guys are incredible. You deserve credit for opening up hard conversations that need to be had. And so I really hope that you heard that and that you'll take that to heart. Now, because, you know, that is what we are all about around here at Lively Conversations, at the Lively Conversations podcast. So... Looking ahead, I want to be clear about a change that we're going to make for the next few weeks. As students go back to school, I know that it's different than it's been, and so I want to give some space for that, Uh, let you guys get adjusted and do a great job as you go back to school, but I don't want to leave you hanging, parents. So for a few weeks, we're going to be doing parents-only episodes till about the end of September or October. And um, I want you to be excited about that, parents, because we've got a great lineup. And then after that's over, we will all get back together again once things have kind of settled down. As we get ready to turn over the lively conversation to you and your family, we want you to consider these verses as you talk. Jeremiah was a person who was entrusted with God's messages for people. He had a stern message for King Jehoiakim about the injustices he was doing in his country, which was his area of influence. King Jehoiakim was taking that which didn't belong to him. And the Lord compares him to his father, King Josiah, who was a really good king. There are some lessons for us in each of these king's examples. So listen in. And the Lord says, What sorrow awaits Jehoiakim, who builds his palace with forced labor? He builds injustice into its walls, for he makes his neighbors work for nothing. He does not pay them for their labor. He says, I will build a magnificent palace with huge rooms and many windows. I will panel it throughout with fragrant cedar and paint it a lovely red. But a beautiful cedar palace does not make a great king. Your father, Josiah, also had plenty to eat and drink, but he was just right in all his dealings. That is why God blessed him. He gave justice to help the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? So with that in mind, here's this week's big question for you to discuss together, and it comes from Julian's pals teacher. Is there something that makes you angry? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week at the table. Bye. Peace (laughs) out. Bye.